Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Random Heathen Ramblings podcast, where we discuss all sorts of things Germanic, heathenry related. My name is Jesse. I am your host. Let's get into it. starting to correct itself. Hail and welcome back, everyone, to this week's episode of the Random Heathen Ramblings podcast, a Midgard Musings production. I am your host, Jesse. Thank you so much for tuning in here today and being a part of this uh, every week and, and, and sharing your thoughts, sharing your comments, sharing the videos, liking them, upvoting them, whatever it is that you do, however it is you engage with the various platforms when these sorts of things come out. It is greatly appreciated. And there goes my camera as I so violently kick it out of the way. That's rude, Jesse. Don't do that. For all my listeners that aren't on the um, camera platforms, they're just like, what happened? Well, I just kicked the camera a little bit, and it bumped me a little bit out of frame. But we are we are mainly good now. We are We are sort of good. We're as good as it gets over here on uh, on the podcast. So you may be wondering what this title, what the, what the podcast episode uh, verbiage means, and I will get into that here in just a moment. But before we do, I would like to call all of your attention to the Linktree link that is annotated in the description of this video and in the show notes of this podcast. That Linktree link will give you all of the places that you can find me on social media, as well as some other uh, ways that you can support what I do. You can buy merchandise through Spring. You can become a patron on Patreon. That is a bit of a mess right now, and I am uh, needing to revamp some things when it comes to Patreon because, well, it's a platform that I have out here, and I don't do a whole lot with it. But that will hopefully change soon. I st- I'm trying to come up with some some better ways of engagement on that platform since it's just it's been out there for so long, but I very rarely do anything with it. Uh, but anyway, it's down there. If you want to check it out, you can monetarily support this podcast for as little as a dollar a month. I don't think you can do anything of of interest or of support for a dollar or a pound, as they say in the UK, a month. So um, all that stuff is in the Linktree link. Be sure to check it out, share it around, share this around. And, uh, yeah, so that's about all there is to, to handle, um, on the, uh, on the, on the housekeeping front. So, um, this week's podcast, um, first of all, is brought to you by Anchor, anchor anchor.fm and Spotify and everybody else. So not a sponsor, but it is who I do my, uh, stuff through. But anyway, today's topic of discussion, this week's topic of discussion I say in the title or in the yeah the title and the thumbnail right I am Norse pagan or am I Now that may raise some questions you know the last three words or am I am I really Norse pagan you know I think that's a a fair question to ask because it's it's probably something of of similar questions or a similar question that that gets asked by 
individuals to themselves, about themselves, in, a, in, in, in some sort of way, right? Am I this? Am I what I say I am? Do I, is the label that is put upon me, whether, you know, whether I place it upon myself or whether it's um, placed upon me by others or whether it's just a generic term, is this the, the most accurate label that could be pushed, that could be placed upon me, that could be put upon me, or is this the best description out there? Now, um, if you guys listened to last week's episode and, and saw the Heathenry 101 thing, um, I went into some descriptions talking about uh, this specific religious path or this specific spirituality, path of spirituality, and, and kind of touched upon very lightly some of the various names that it's known by. And I mentioned, you know, Norse paganism or Norse heathenry, Germanic paganism, Germanic polytheism, also true, right, um, than some of these other ones. And, uh, you know, there are some, there are some uh, labels, we're just going to call that, we're just going to call it labels for the sake of, of, uh, of, of this episode and for the sake of argument, right? Because I know, um, excuse me, there, I know that, that a lot of people dislike labels, you know, they, they, they dislike the, the term of this or that thing or the other because of whatever reason. I mean, a lot of people have different reasons, but they, they choose to, you know, define themselves or, or be known as, as, as something without a label um, or they're pretty ambiguous, maybe the right term, or a bit anonymous. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's open-ended, right? Like, it, it, you know, there's no real sp specific label to what people want to be known as, and, and that's fair, um, but, you know, for the sake of this podcast and, the, and for the sake of, of the audience, right, we're, we're going to call what I'm talking about labels. So am I a Norse pagan? I say I am. I do a lot of what I do in the vein of what Norse paganism would uh, encompass, right, whether it be aesthetic, ritualistically, um, spiritually, um, Norse paganism is, is, is probably a fair label to put on what I do. You know, my, my imagery, um, again, my, my aesthetic, how I dress, how I uh, decorate, you know, there, there's a lot of that decor, you know, the, the aesthetic is there. Um, but I do want to talk about something that came up recently that... Um, you know, I'm always thinking, right? I'm always taking what a lot of what you guys say um, and, and using your feedback, using the, the material that becomes conversation um, on, on different things that I post on my various platforms. And, I, and I, I listen. I don't always respond directly. I may not always reply directly. I try to stay engaged as much as I can. Um, with with things and and, uh, and and there are some times uh, that the conversation goes off into realms of, of detail and, and granularity that I just don't have time to spend in my phone on my computer just typing things out you know um, it does get tedious it does become time consuming believe it or not and uh, I have a life you know, I have a home, I have 
a social life. I have my wife. I have my family time. I have my work. I have all these things that everybody else has, of course. Um, and on top of that, being a uh, a content creator and a podcaster, right, doing all the things to stay in the views of my supporters, my friends, my my fans, the right, everybody that makes what I do possible. And so I come here once a week and I and I ramble on about things that for me is a bit cathartic because I can address some of the more deep stuff, right? Some of the more granular stuff. And I can respond in ways that I feel are deserving of the type of conversation that those comments and whatnot generate. And so am I a Norris Pagan? This was not a, uh, you know, this wasn't a, a question that was posed on a thread anywhere to me. Um, and, and there wasn't really anything about this particular conversation that caused me to question whether I am what I either have been labeled as or what I fall under a certain category of being. You know, this, this, this comment that, that kind of triggered this podcast episode um, and, and, the, and the comment thread that ensued from it, uh, it really just kind of put me in a frame of mind of kind of opening up the the feeling that I had to a larger audience and to get some uh, to get some engagement on it, you know, and to get some feedback on it. Because again, so much of, w- of what I do here is fueled by what you guys and gals out here are listening and watching um, respond to. And so we're going to jump into it. Um, there's going to be some things popping up for those that are on the video, you know, platforms. There's going to be some things popping up here on screen that uh, will probably land right over here somewhere. Um, screenshots of comments of things. Now, I'm not going to redact anything because the comment thread is on the Midgard Musings Facebook page. I'm going to be linking that post um, down in the description and in the show notes. So for everybody that does follow me on Facebook, if you missed it, you want to go back and you want to see and you want to weigh in yourself, please feel free to do so. It's going to be linked in, like I said, in the description and in the show notes. But you're going to be seeing some stuff for those, again, that are watching. Screenshots I'm going to be posting up um, on screen here regarding what I'm talking about. So this post that I made... Um, Sunday, I think it was. It was over. It was over this past weekend. So you know, we're going over almost into a, a week or so ago, and you know, some of the screenshots you're going to see uh, have dated it two or three days ago. But that's at the time of me capturing them. So by this, at this point in time, we're we're close to five days, four or five days, you know, in the past. So the. Um, the post in itself was on a jawbone piece. I I, I, I crafted uh, something out of out of a deer jawbone, like the jawbone of a deer, right? A few weeks ago, two three weeks ago, maybe, if that, my wife was out uh, driving around. Her and I like to do this Pokemon Go thing, Pogo, right? Um, and uh, so she was out just driving around. I was at work. She was out driving around, and she was. Um, driving around in an area that it's a 
you know, pretty wooded area. And uh, she was just you know, doing her pogo thing and, and uh, drove by this one area where she noticed what she thought was a large concentrated growth area of, of, of fungus, mushrooms and such. And she's like, ooh, what's that? So she stopped. And um, turns out to it was the it was uh, bones, a pile of bones, uh, quite a, a large pile of bones. And um, best that we can determine, it was the remains of a of a deer. Uh, but I'm talking like dozens of rib bones, a whole spine, including the tail, some femurs and 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 other leg bones, and and a jawbone, which is again. What was used to make this this uh, piece that I'm talking about? So the piece is is literally this. It's it's a jawbone made with bells and beads and some rawhide leather binding and whatnot. Um, and and first of all, it got a very big response to uh, people. Like I mean, there's there's all kinds of comments, you know, reactions, shares, and whatnot. Um, but I'm calling attention to uh, one individual's particular um, comment, which, again, because it's a public thing, I'm not redacting any information because it's going to be linked down here so everybody can go and see it. And I have no reason to, right? This is, there's, there's nothing nefarious going on here. Um, but it's, 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 it's this comment uh, popping up here on screen, and it says, is this a ritual tool of personal praxis or... Is it rooted in something historically heathen? Great question. Um, first of all, I just want to say great question. Secondly, I want to follow up. I, I do respond to that. Um, you know, so I say it is for my personal practice. Um, but before I go further into this, I do just want to say that I have never, in, in, in the years that I have been putting out content, whether it be just, you know, my Midgard musing stuff, or whether it be the last three, now going on, you know, well, this is the fourth season of the Random Heathen Ramblings podcast. In whatever form of or fashion of content that I have released, I have never once um, positioned myself out here or on any platform as being a reconstructionist or historically uh, historical recon, historical reconstructionist heathen or person. I do... Um, hold a very high, in very high esteem the value behind what is historically documented, and I love learning things of, of history, um, and there's so much to learn, and there's so many things that through that learning you uh, change throughout time. Like as, as new discoveries are made and as new uh, evidence is, is provided through archaeological and scientific research, there's, there's a, a, a a lot of growth and a lot of evolution that happens throughout that. So, but to be fair and, and just to, to put it out here on the record, I am not what I would refer to as a hardcore reconstructionist heathen. My heathen practices, the heathen practices surrounding the tribe that I am tied to and, and with and, and some of the friends that are, are closely connected to our inner circle, right, are our tribal thu, our, our thu, our, our customs, our traditions, laws, if you will, um, aren't so much as, you know, laws as, as like concrete laid down, at least not yet, because the, the tribe is, is young, there is, again, growth and things that happen, but there's a, a, 
when when it comes to like how we not how but when we observe certain holy tides yes that is rooted in historical fact at least at least to the degree that that we have right now right so when we hold yule is is the historically backing or the, the, the you know what is historically backed up as when uh, pre-Christian Yule was held same way for like Sigurdblot, Winter Nights, etc. Uh, but when it comes to a lot of other things, you know, like we're still figuring things out. We're we're not deeply rooted in historically, like you know, we're we're not so stuck in the roots. We're not so root bound that we are limiting ourselves to growth because the growth the growth happens above ground. The roots are where the anchor point is. The roots are where the the the, the everything is centered around. Uh, but growth happens above ground, right? It, it, it happens, yes, the roots grow and they, and they sink in deeper, but I'm talking about like the, the flourishing, the, the, the growth, the expansion, everything happens above ground. So we take that and I take that and, and even with my personal practices, um, take some of the stuff from, from what I've learned or what I am learning throughout historical research and, and other things of that nature and put it into practice within our tribal construct, and, and and so there's a healthy blend of the old and the new, and it's 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 a big thing for me, and it's it's been kind of the, I guess, uh, mantra, if you will. I mean, you guys see it at the end of every podcast, or at least here recently, you do. It, you know, practicing old ways in modern times, finding the application of things that were done uh, in in old ways heathenry and in, in arch heathen times, and and finding its practical use and its practicality in modern times. I'm not a, a, a hardcore recon. So when I get questions like this, you know, is what you're doing, you know, based on personal, uh, or is, is, is it for personal practice, or does it have any roots in actual historical heathenry? Um, you know, again, this, this, this type of question always makes me go, well, I guess yes and no, right? I mean, it, it, it's not a hard yes and a, a, or a hard no. There is some of what I do and some of what I am doing that has backing in it, but it doesn't, it's not the reason why I do it, right? And I want to, before I get into more of, of this topic or this conversation, I, I want to bring up one of the things that I hold very important and very necessary for me is purpose and the why. If, if I were to just abandon all of what I feel, if I were to just abandon the intuitions, the, 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 the things that I know have worked for me, and, and if I were to just abandon that and, and, and just go strictly based off of hardcore, historically backed information, nothing against people that do. For me, I feel like I would lose touch of the purpose. I would lose touch of the why. Because and, and I'll, I'll tell you the reason why. It's because I, again, hold value to what information we have that is historically backed. I also know that so much of what is historically backed has changed over the years, and it's going to continue to change. We're going to find new things. We're going to discover new things. So it's an evolutionary thing. It's a, it's, a, it's, a in, it's a work in progress. It's a living thing. It's not, well, they did it that way 1,500 years ago. So that's how we have to do it now. And then in 10 years, we go, well, maybe they didn't do quite do it that way 1,500 years ago. Maybe they did it in a little bit different way because we dug up something. Somebody in Norway, somebody in Denmark, somebody in Sweden, somebody somewhere dug up something that suggests otherwise. And then all of a sudden, we're doing things differently again. So 
again, I find value and I find a purpose for what there is in historically backed information, but I don't stay there. I don't reside there. And so when people ask me, is what you're doing, is it for personal practice or, or is there anything backed around it historically? You know, my, my answer is going to be a blend of the two. Um, so I do respond. I say it's for my personal practice, but I ask him, I said, you know, uh, could you direct me and others looking to find valid historical sources that, that support that bones were used in ritual? Now, here's where things get to be a little messy, and I apologize for this. It's not my fault. It's the way that the platform um, kind of orders the, the when comments come through. So for those that are watching, listening, right, when you, when you click on the link that is annotated, and you go back to this conversation thread, you may have to change your comments um, because Facebook automatically is going to categorize most recent con con uh, comments as, as being what gets seen first. So you're not going to see all comments. You're going to have to go in there, drill down a little bit, click on that thing that says most recent context, and click all comments to see some of what I'm, I'm talking about. And some of these things, are gonna, again, are going to be um, screenshotted and, and, and put up on the screen for you to see. Um, but, and again, this is going to require me to kind of drill down a bit through here and, 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 and point out uh, my responses to things. But suffice that to say, so again, it, you know, I tell them about what it is, uh, you know, it, it's a personal thing. And again, change it to all comments. It goes by most relevant. So let me go back to change it to all comments. Um, you guys just bear with me. All right, here we go. Replies. All right, so... I, you know, I, I say yes, it's a, it's a personal practice thing, um, but where could we find more information about the use of bones, specifically bones uh, that were used in ritual? Uh, this person responds, he says, you know, well, I'm not aware, it should be up here somewhere, not aware of extensive use of bone charms, per se. I'm aware that the Archheathens believe that the soul lived within the bones, and I think Road to Hell by uh, R.H. Ellis Davidson covers that. I'm going to pause for just a minute. Um, I have gone through and, and, and gleaned most of, of The Road to Hell, uh, which is, again, a, a very highly recommended source for the, conceptu the concepts of the dead and the afterlife, uh, a Germanic concept or Norse uh, concepts of the dead and the afterlife. Uh, very highly recommended uh, material. I suggest anybody that is anybody heathen want that, you know, would, should should get a copy of that. Um, but the the part here where it says that the, the soul lived within the bones, I am I'm going to to venture off to say here that the content the, the concept I should say the concept of the soul as a singular thing only happened after Christianity became the norm in Scandinavia specifically. Um, I don't think that the concept of the soul was limited to a singular thing, like where you say the soul lived in the bones. 
I'll have to go back and read through uh, the road to hell. I have a digital PDF copy of it, and so I'm gonna. It's gonna take some time for me to go back through it. But if pre-Christian heathens, if if arch heathens had a con concept of what happens to us when we die, and and it was linked as as being just one concept of the soul, I don't think that Davidson's research and and stuff in the road to hell support that. So there may have been a part of the soul, an element of the soul, whether it be the the huger, the thought, right, or the uh, the hammer, the, the the physical part of yourself that exists or remains in the bones. And again, without going back and reading through that, um, I know that at least in in uh, in those times, again, the, the soul, the con, the concept of the soul was multifaceted. It was a multi-part. You had the Hammer, you had the Philia, you had the Huger, you had the Chaminga. You had all these various parts that constitute what the soul is. So your soul, your spirit is not tied to just one particular thing. There's parts of the soul that reside certain places, that are able to go certain places. This was what I'm pretty sure Davidson's research and, and, and stuff from the road to hell support that the soul is not tied to just one thing. I can't say for sure, and I'm not going to uh, say that 100% assuredly, but for anybody that has a road to hell, the road to hell by H.R. Ellis Davidson, and knows better, feel free to comment. So, um, one other thing, um, in, in, in terms of this um, bone charms um, being used, I'm going to also annotate something. This image right here, this is a reconstructed image of the what is known as the shaman of Bad Durenberg. If I'm mispronouncing that, oh well. Um, but the shaman of Bad Durenberg, uh, this, this image is a reconstructed image, um, I believe it's a reconstructed image, of, of, of a woman, a young middle-aged woman, uh, who existed some, I want to say like, between five to seven thousand years ago, in an area of the world, uh, and during an age um, that was part of Saxony, I'm going to link um, something in the show notes and in the description for you guys to read more about it. Um, but clearly, the remains of this shaman of this woman were um, discovered in I think it was a bog or, or something. Anyway, they were they were unearthed. They were discovered. And with the remains of this person were bones and, and other artifacts. And it, there's all kinds of bones. There, there's crane, there's, there's beaver, there's, I mean, uh, there, there, there's, there's all kinds of things of, of bone remnants that were buried with this person. And, and the shamans, uh, you know, in, in, in many cultures are, are highly esteemed, highly, highly respected people. Right for having uh, mastered skills of healing through medicine, through uh, ritual trance, through through various methods, and so when when we find remains like this um, of of people who were buried with certain items, then then chances are the the reason why they were buried with them is because they were used in their everyday practices, or at least in their semi regular everyday practices. Right? They were they were someone of of, of a high esteem in their society that they wanted those things that they were that that the person used in their everyday to day life to carry with them into the afterlife. 
And it is largely um, believed and, and speculated that these bones were part of ritual attire. So jaw bones, teeth, uh, you know, whatever other parts of the body of the animal that were used in, whether it would be a headdress or whether it be some sort of adornment, right? Bones were used. So um, this is clearly one particular thing that, that predates Christianity in the North, right? It's, again, dated to, to be during whatever, missile or milli, I don't know, the, whatever it is. It's, <laughs> I'm going to put it up here on the screen, that this age, okay? This age, um, it's old. It's, it's, it's really, really old. And, you know, it's in Saxony, or, or Saxon lands of Saxony. So there's, there's some evidence for you that highly suggests that bones had a place in, in that region's spiritual um, practices. Um, I, I made some comments, um, that, uh, that, that lead to, um, a person, say, or let lead to this person saying that, uh, I'm curious how it is that you feel about the guarding of, of sacral spaces, objects, and, and accesses. We have some evidence, like in the accounts of Bede, that shows, uh, that showing the contents of your hearth cult to Utgard was a quote-unquote taboo, or was a taboo. I find it likely that in modern practices, heathens would only break this taboo for academic reasons, as reconstruction may require. Sure, that's a fair that's a fair statement. Um, and and so, but but here's the, here's kind of my response to, to some of this, and I and I allude to this in in a, in a comment saying that I don't. When when it comes to sharing things of of sacred sa uh, sacredness, right? Sacral space, sacred objects, right? I mean, this was this was this was a piece of of a, of a deer bone that I crafted and and said this is a ritual piece that I made. I hadn't used it yet in ritual. It was it was a work in progress, and I was just sharing the crafting of it, right? Um, I don't film. Uh, I shouldn't say I don't. I don't share what is filmed um, of, of any sort of a, of a ritual nature, right? If I'm doing ritual, whether it be personal hearth cult stuff or whether it be on a larger scale, if anything gets filmed, it doesn't get shared publicly in the moment, right? I don't film a ritual. Nothing gets filmed that gets shared for the public to see because I it, it, it may be filmed or may be documented for, again, for research purposes, for, for my own you know, uh, references to go back and say, hmm, that was something I wanted maybe to do different or whatever. And, and we have these tools available to us now that I think if it had been existing in ancient times may have been leveraged and may have been used. Can we say that for sure? Is that speculation? Absolutely, 100%. Right? We do know, we do get a sense of, of the, um, like what he's talking about here or, or what this person's talking about here, of... of the there being penalties to sharing these sorts of things to the outside to what he says Utgard Utengard the the outer layer the you know so we have Inengard Utengard inner yard outer yard 
there was a, a pretty clear, like, lines were drawn. Barriers were defined. You know what I mean? Sacred space was defined as sacred space, and what was beyond and what was without that was was not. And so, um, we you know, we, we see some examples. Um, I'm going to be talking a little bit more about this as I go through some of the comments, that uh, certain and very specific things were kept 100% withdrawn from the outside. In other words, they were only for the household. They were only for the families. Um, and it was, it was, it was something very private. And so it wasn't shared abroad. And I appreciate and I, and I find that there is value to be placed on that. Um, so this, this particular comment, um, I, you know, I, I had, I had said, that, you know, I don't think, or I don't film, sorry, I don't film or record any rituals being done in the moment when I'm doing it. I already said this. Um, but to the point that I said that, you know, what was taboo um, in medieval Scandinavia or before is what it was for the time and that we aren't living in those times. So my 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 counter argument to, to this person's comment, or, or I guess my counter, yeah, my... It wasn't necessarily an argument. It was it was discussion, right? Debate, healthy debate. You know, when you bring up things like taboo, uh, I I first of all think mostly I think and, and this this may be just my jumping the gun or my assumptions, but I'm I'm wondering if people think this too. When we when we hear the word taboo, right, we're we're thinking of social taboos. We're not necessarily thinking of things of a religious or spiritual nature. Things that were taboo or not to be done, right, because of religious consequences or, or or for reasons that could negatively impact you from a religious or spiritual nature. I, I think most of us think of taboos as things that just didn't jive for the society at the time. So we're talking about, you know, social taboos. Um, but there are religious taboos amongst certain cultures and, and amongst certain belief systems, right? It is taboo for the Muslims and Christians to eat pork, for instance, as a, as a or maybe not Christians per se. I know Christianity does adopt some Judeo-Abrahamic uh, beliefs, which is, again, the Jews uh, don't eat pork and neither do Muslims, but we're going to get into that in just a minute. But so there, there you go. There, there's a religious taboo. It, it, is, it, against, it is against divine law to do... X, Y, Z, and that's where the religious taboo comes in. So I say that, right, in their response, and that's going to be um, the comment that gets put up here, is that, so you don't think it was a matter of orthopraxy when Bede's source was chased away at Alphablot. Why should we not mind the taboos of the archheathens if they were, I guess he meant to say if they were, the last ones to have divine contact, a higher, uh, uh, an aeropophany, an aeropophany. Is that right? That word. Um, what is the exact inspiration of the item? Looks Sami, which is a different mystical and ritual tradition, one that only overlapped with the archheathens' practice in amount, uh, small amounts, and in the minority of places. So let me back up, right? Talking about um, beads, source being chased away at Alpha Bloat. I want to call attention to the fact that at the time of my response to this, if you guys are going to go back and read the comments, 
at the time of my response to this, the comment said when Bede was chased away at Alpha Bloat. You'll notice that there are edits being made to this. It says edited uh, somewhere, which means the author made some changes. That's fine. Sometimes you misspeak. Sometimes you say things. Sometimes you got to change what you're going to say. I get that, and it's okay. So I'm thinking that at this point in time, what they were trying to say was that there was a there was the source that Bede was using to talk about Alpha Bloat. And again, I'm not I'm not the best person to talk to about what Bede says. The Venerable Bede. I know that that's a considered to be either a primary or secondary source for a lot of mainland Germanic heathenry, Saxon heathenry. But it's, you know, there's Christian bias. There has to be Christian bias because he was a freaking, I don't know, bishop or something, right? Um, so anyway, there, there's, there's talk of, of Bede's source being chased away at Alpha Bloat. Um, to which I had said that I'm not familiar with nobody being chased away at Alpha Bloat. Alpha Bloat. But... I don't argue the fact that it happened because Alpha Boat was clearly only a family affair held by the Swedes. Um, I believe the Swedes held it privately. Maybe it was the Norwegians. Somebody uh, in, in Scandinavia, it was the Scandinavians, that at the time Alpha Boat, which was a, a winter night sort of thing, um, was, a, was a bloat to the Alfar. Now, some might say it was a blow to the elves. Others might say that it is it is ancestral, Alfar being the male ancestors. Um, but either way, it was a private affair, and um, so anybody came coming by, happening by, by mistake or uninvited, was uh, quickly dealt with and said, you know, you're, you're not allowed to be here. Uh, to that point, my tribe's winter nights celebration is tribe only. So for some of our affairs, when we have like, you know, Yule or, or Sigurblot, right? It, it, the way that we do it is, is, is we invite others that are friends to the tribe, that are allies, that are, you know, welcome in our home and, and welcome to this place. Winter Nights is strictly cut off. It's, it's tribe only. So in that way, we, we hold some of those traditions. Okay. But it makes good sense why they wouldn't want outsiders. And I, and I allude to that. When it comes to taboos, and again, I'm, I'm guilty of this because I thought of taboos just being social. I said taboos change over time just because archheathens believed certain things were taboo at the time. is not good enough reason for me to think they're still taboo now. Saying that they were the last ones to have divine contact is also not accurate to me. This is going back to uh, this person's uh, saying that why should we not mind the taboos of the archheathens if they were the last ones to have divine contact? Um, so to that, I, again, I say that, that, that they were the last ones. It doesn't seem accurate to me because how can we honestly believe that the sacred have not interacted with the profane slash mundane since the Viking Age or earlier? I've had my own experiences, which I clearly define as saying that they are UPG, and I know that, that confirmed to me the presence of the divine in my hearth cult, my inner cult, inner, uh, you know, individual cultic practices, and larger scale rituals, which have included people outside of my own tribe. I have felt the presence of the divine. I have, I have, you know, and what is, what is historically 
accurate source material anyway, other than what has just, you know, proven through the test of time that, you know, somebody saw something and, and felt something at one point in time. It was their UPG and it just happens to be, you know, it was a thousand or more years ago. And so it turns into material because somebody wrote it down and we dug it up somewhere. We found it in the library and now all of a sudden it's, it's historical fact. Uh, you know, it could probably go around and around with conversations like that, which I love. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, what I experience, I could write it down. And then in 100, 200, 300, 500, 1,000 years from now, people could dig that shit up and be like, oh, man, you know, back in 2020, you know, back in the back in the 21st century, man, these people were something else because they believed this, that thing and the other. Because look at what we found written down on this piece of paper that we dug up. And I said, no one, no matter how much of a recon that they are, can convince me otherwise. Never say never, but I haven't met one yet. As for the nature and inspiration of the item, because he's asking, or they are asking, uh, the nature and inspiration of the item, I said, it lies heavily in my hearth cult practices, which leans in the realm of animism. Uh, something that has existed in cultures around the world, not just Sami or others, or, uh, or other indigenous Pi, P, uh, Proto-Indo-European, P-I-E. Peoples. The style of the item may reflect similarities to the Sami, but have uh, no intention on doing so. It wasn't the intent for me to copy uh, Sami aesthetics. Um, so look, the and and this is kind of where again I get to the am I a Norse pagan, right? So. <laughs> You've got this umbrella term paganism that's just, you know, anybody that's, uh, you know, a, a polytheist, right? Like, you've got so many different branches of, of paganism. Celtic paganism, Germanic paganism, African paganism, Asian paganism, Shinto. I mean, you've got so many different things, right? I mean, it's the umbrella term. Now, Norse paganism could be an umbrella under the umbrella because you could be talking about Scandinavian, Icelandic heathenry. Uh, you could be talking about mainland Germanic Saxon heathenry. You could be talking about, you know, uh, a, a variety of flavors of, of that, 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 get, that get lumped into this just Norse paganism, right? So it's like, it's, it's a really, it, the label thing really gets, you know, the waters get murky when you start just generalizing things. So am I a Norse pagan? That's probably the easiest answer that I could give to somebody in terms of, well, what do you believe in? What's your, what's your religious practice? It's Norse paganism. But it's, it's so much more than that because the, what, what I said is how deeply rooted in animism my practices have evolved into uh, is evident in much of what I share publicly in terms of my thoughts or where I go or where I find my peace at is in nature, right? I talk about my river walks. I talk about my own philia. The heron, uh, I, I've shared, you know, I'm going to, this thing that's hanging up, which you really can't see a whole lot of it, but it's, it's, it's literally a, a feather necklace with, with rib bones that my wife made. I mean, that's animistic as, as hell, man. You know, again, what is the, what is the, is it my personal practices? Is it anything historically based in here? Well, I don't know, man, if you want to go back and you want to you know, blame the the the, the shaman of, of Bad Durenberg on on the reason why we all wear bones and stuff now as as Germanic pagans, as Norse heathens, as whatever the label we want to put onto it. Well, I guess you could say that there, there there's your, you know, historical source 
that they were used or that they had implement, you know, that they were implemented in spiritual and religious practices. But at the end of the day, man, like it's hard to put a label to this stuff. And I think that's one of the reasons why so many people just, you know, want to get away from labels. And they want to get away from putting a, a sticker on it, putting a stamp on it, you know? So, um, some more of the comments, right? You're going to see some of this posted up here on the screen now. Uh, sorry for multi-posts and deletes because Facebook is blah, 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 blah. Is it appropriate for morals to uh, break taboos that are of divine inspiration, in my opinion? So I didn't, I didn't answer this question in the chat, or in the, sorry, in the, uh, in the thread, the comment thread, because, again, there's just so much here to digest, and, and I feel like this is easier for me. No, I don't think it's appropriate for, for us um, that exist in the profane space to just arbitrarily decide that things that were of a, of a unacceptable nature religiously that applied then don't apply now. I, I don't think those sorts of things change. What I, what I was mainly referring to were the taboos of a social nature, right? Because again, societies change, cultures evolve, um, and social taboos from 1,000, 1,500 years ago uh, uh, largely have, have no place here and now. So no, I don't think that it's uh, wise or, or, or well to do, to just arbitrarily decide that religious taboos, spiritual taboos, things that didn't work back then when dealing with the sacred, when dealing with the divine, don't carry over into now. Because again, it goes back to the whole uh, Judeo religions, uh, you know, Muslims, Islam, Christianity. When it says in their sacred text to not do X, Y, Z, then it doesn't matter that it was written however many thousands of years ago. They believe it to be true and, and, and valid and stuff now. So to take that into consideration, to, to look at the bigger picture of things, no, I don't think that it's appropriate to break taboos of, of that nature, of divine or sacred context. To which they say, don't forget, when... Uh, serious penalties, not just of a social nature, but a divine one for breaking taboos. Yeah, look, I'm not, I'm not going to touch on the social taboos because social taboos, 1500, 2000, whatever years ago, you know, we're not going to stone adulterers. We're not going to, we're not going to burn witches. We're not going to, you know, put a scarlet letter on, on like those, those things that were taboo back then. And the way that we respond to it now, I mean, Times have changed, right? Things are just generally unacceptable uh, to, to most societies. There is There are certain social taboos that even back then don't, you know, that, that didn't age well, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, when it was shit back then, it's shit now. So, but he says he recalls a priest of Freyr, of Frey, that uh, who was in the lore, who was denied luck by the gods because... Uh, he allowed his son, who was outlaw, uh, into one of Frey's groves under arms, meaning he was wearing weapons and, and stuff. And, and at that time, that was you don't enter sacred space with uh, with weapons, with iron, with that sort of thing. And we see that reflected now in a lot of pagan practices, right? I know I know a lot of people who 
when they when they make sacred space, when they create sacred space, uh, anything of a, of, a, of an artificial or metal, even uh, nature, right? No weapons, no blades, no iron, no this and that. Uh, electronics technology is is kept without of that space, um, and I agree with a lot of that. That's I think there's a place for that. This is an example of a of a taboo that exists for a reason. Sure clearly ordained by the gods themselves, should that change within the times? Uh, again, I go back to the whole thing that if it, you know, if we look back and we see that there were clear barriers defined with how and when, how the gods were interacted with, conditions in which the gods were interacted upon, uh, I don't think we should just arbitrarily, I want to key in on that, arbitrarily decide that it's not a good idea. Right, because what happens tomorrow or ten years from now when you dig up something that suggests otherwise? We're basing all of this stuff off of the information that we have at hand, and as long as we recognize that, as long as we accept that, I think we're all in a position of of being able to grow and with that information as we get it. Taboos are an important part of religiosity. Religious taboos, sure. Because again, they say, would a Muslim or Jewish man be free of any criticism from the fellow from their fellows uh, for eating pork when he doesn't have to? Again, there's divine law that says otherwise. These animals are unclean. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, I grew up Christian for several decades, a couple of decades, twenty some odd years of my life. I, you know, followed a, a more Christian path, and I lived that very devoutly especially in my youth and in my childhood where, you know, we didn't, we didn't eat certain vegetables and we didn't eat certain roots. We didn't eat certain things because of the interpretation that we got from the Bible, right? I mean, we didn't eat potatoes. We didn't eat tomatoes. Didn't eat onions, you know? That's a whole other conversation for another time, but, you know, you want to get into taboos and religiosity... You know, it was at a point of time where it was like, well, this isn't about, it's not just about right and wrong, it's about perfection. It's about fine-tuning ourselves to getting better in touch with the divine God, whatever. So, no, I think, you know, uh, there's, there is there is definite place for that. Uh, I had mentioned UPG. person says, yes, exactly, that's UPG as far as facts are concerned. Uh, there is a huge gap in context with our higher divine. Ergo, the archheathens, from a theological perspective, are indeed the last to hold the Arapophany. But are they, though? Is it because? Is it only because that's all we have? Is, is, is documented source material that suggests or that, that, that supports that? Um, was not there interactions with the divine at the time their upg for them that, that 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 term didn't exist back then but was it not upg at the time i contest and i and i would say that it was because when it comes to things that we can't see that we can't tangibly like hey john come over here you see what i see right it's it's this piece of paper that says la 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 yeah i see that okay good we agree right well if it ain't that and it's just Guys, I you know, 
I just saw this thing. I just experienced this thing. This is where I think things are at. And then everybody else was like, wow, that's profound. I want to experience that, right? And the next thing you know, all these oral traditions become traditions, exactly. that. It could be, they become exactly that. It's now what this guy did or what those people did. Let's all of us do it. Let's find a way for it to fit into our, you know, praxis of, of orthopraxy or whatever. And then and it becomes historical material. It becomes source material. It becomes the thing that we're sitting here, you know, 1,500, 2,000 years later or more saying that that's how it should be done now because some guy, woman, whoever, some people in an ancient society that are long dead and gone um, experienced and, and, and they made it so. So, um, that's, that's my stance on it. Um, so he says, let me ask you, uh, would you want the, would you want to interact with a being that regularly disregards your taboos while claiming to live in a way that's in line with your culture and Thu? Thu is law. Thu is specifically law as, as defined in, in, in within heathen contexts, right? Somebody out here proved me wrong, right? Thu is tribal, tribal law. Quite oftentimes lines up with an overarching law, but you gotta look at the context of this 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 thing. Thu was law at the time in the way that the world was built and in the way that society was functioning at the time. So my tribes through or, or my tribes customs and traditions aren't necessarily going to be the same as the next tribes customs or traditions. They may be, there may be similarities. There may be, you know, overarching themes and, 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 and you know, enough stuff to, to suggest that there's a closeness to it. But, you know, the way that that certain things were done in one region were not the way the same were not the same way things were done in another region so to kind of lump it all into the same description i don't know if that's what was intended but that's what i'm understanding is like all the gods no matter where you are right the gods of of saxony are are not the same gods of scandinavia well are they are they just named different things and were those traditions not picked up from that region? And then their localized stuff became a part of the, the, the practices, and so therefore that through became unique to those people. You can't, I, I don't think that we can deduce that. You know, like, it, it'd be like, let's just say, I don't know, uh, I'm from New York, right? I'm from New York and I live in Tennessee. Well, the way that we do things in New York is, you know, a certain way. Our social skills, our social construct is different in, in the part of New York where I'm from. I came to Tennessee and I remember first time walking into a Walmart and I get people talking to me that I've never met in my life and I go, who the hell are you? Why are you talking to me? Right? Social, you know, differences. You know, just because I'm in a different place and I'm at a different time in my life doesn't make it wrong. It's just... That's foreign to me. It doesn't, but I learned from living in this area and from being in the state and from being in this region that, well, that's just normal. That's their social construct. That's the way these people do things. And so now that I'm here in their space, it's, you know, and again, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to compare 
the, the, the dealings of the profane humans with the dealings of the gods. I, I, I get it. There's, there's a big difference there. But, uh, you know, when, when, when the comments made is, you know, would I want to interact with a being that is regularly disrespectful of my taboos? Well, why do I have those taboos? Again, you're, it's, it's apples and oranges, man. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm just, a, just a guy. I'm just a human being. I'm not, I'm not in the mindset. I don't, I don't think the way the divine thing. I don't think the way the sacred thing. None of us do. All right? Putting that out there. We're all humans. We're all living in profane space and time. I have actually had experiences myself that I will put on the table as being 100% UPG, but I have heard the voice of Odin. I have seen the faces of the gods. That is UPG. Anybody wants to cut and clip, whatever, that's UPG for me. I have seen what I've seen. I've heard what I've heard. None of this really matters. The, the taboos, <laughs> to me, religious taboos, again, I get it. I understand the, the, the importance of the context that, 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 that exists there. You know, Don't do certain things because it makes the gods mad. Well, or it makes the divine mad, or it upsets the divine, we're going to lose our luck if we do X, Y, Z. Yeah, that, 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 was, that was the way that they viewed the world then in that region. You're talking, you're talking about a priest of Frey. Freyr, very, very big time with the Swedes, right? They weren't... Uh, they weren't big into, like, I mean... Here I go again, trying to prove a, not prove a point, but to make a point that, you know, the Englinga saga, you, you know, you hear names like Odin and Balder and 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 and, and so on and so forth. But like this, you know, we, we know that the Swedes were big with Freyr. Like Frey, Njord, like they they had a big, you know, you want to call the Vanir tribes of the gods. Like they were very important to the Swedes. So it makes sense that if, you know, you had a priest a gothi, whatever, of, of Freyr that, that messed up and had a son that, that did something that was against the taboo at the time and was outlaw, and then you just let, allow this, this person to walk into a grove dedicated to your deity under arms, you damn right the people be like, well, now we, we, you know, all of our Cheerios just got pissed in. Thanks, dude. You just ruined it for all of us. Now we got to you know, kill X amount of sheep. Now we got to burn X amount of... Bowels of grain, or we got to do all these things to appeal to our higher power, ers, powers, whatever, and uh, you know, make it right, set the balance back into to order. So I don't know, man. I you know, if the, the the question is, you know, would you would you want to interact with a being that regularly disregards your taboos as a human? I invite people over to my home to interact with me and and under the under the uh sovereignty of my hearth it is expected that they abide by these rules. And so to that degree I think that the people of the time understood that that was expected of of people and so they probably extended that same belief into into the into the realm of the divine as well. What contact uh, let's see here. Our team uh, happens on the God's terms. So 
Sorry. Furthermore, you seem to. Okay, let me back up. I'm 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 rambling on literally into parts of the conversation that I haven't touched upon yet. Would you abstain from such an offensive person? I. It, being that regularly disregards your taboos while claiming to live in a way that's in line with your culture, or would you abstain from such an offensive person? I would try to figure out why they thought that way. Hey, why do you feel that way? What can I learn from you? Is it, is it a cultural thing? Is it, is it something that... Because look, guys, man, I was, raised, I was raised to believe that, that certain things were taboo. Piercings, tattoos, right? Taboo. You don't do it. Why? Because the Bible says you don't mark your bodies over this, that thing, and the other. Well, I threw that shit out the window, you know, of course, when I abandoned Christianity. But then I realized that this doesn't even make sense because look at, the, look at some of the things that existed at the time, cultures that, that, that have, you know, a place in that practice, right? They have where, where your, your skin is marked and you have piercings and things, and that be, that, that, that's part of their social norm. It's not taboo for them. Well, it was taboo because of, you know, whatever priest or whatever, you know, person connected to the divine says it was. But does it really matter? I don't, I, I don't have that answer. I'm not, I don't live in the, the headspace or the, or the time and space of the divine. All right, so furthermore, you seem to believe, he says, or they say, that, that, uh, you furthermore be, seem to believe in the difference in profane space and sacred space, as the Archethans did. I do. Would that conclusion not inform you that the Aeropophany happens on the God's terms? Where contact automatic and constant by virtue of merely being human, I don't think there would be a distinction between holy and profane space like we saw it in the ancients. Do I disagree? I'm trying to understand the context of the question here, but I do believe um, that uh, we exist in profane space, the gods exist in sacred space. There are times when we can kind of break through the barrier. Um, certain people have an easier time doing it than others, and there are, there are ways to be able to do that. We're not limited to just existing in profane space and time. We can leave our ethereal bodies, we can, we can transcend that, and we can become part of, at least temporarily, the, uh, the divine's space and time. Um, uh, he says, I don't think there would be a distinction between holy and profane space like we saw in the ancient. Do I disagree? I guess I disagree. Um, I mean, I, again, I, I think there is a definite separation. I think when, when we work our various rituals, right, we are, we are existing in profane space, but we are trying to uh, create a space that is separate from the profane. We are creating barriers. We are creating a space that invites the divine in, right? So those, those measures, those methods, um, whether historically drawn from or not, are our attempts at connecting to the sacred. Um, I think this comment about UPG 
says UPG isn't up for discussion as it means nothing to the grander themes of the religion that we all are reconstructing. How does it not? How does UPG not play a factor here as long as we're defining it as such? Right? It's all speculative. Right? There's nobody that we can sit in front of and talk to right now that knows how shit was done 1,200, 1,500, 2,000 years ago. There isn't. We're reconstructing things based off of archaeological and scientific evidence, uh, sources, materials, things that we people have, have, have unearthed. To, to come up with educated reasonings as to, as to why or how or, or, or what, you know? UPG should be up for discussion because there has to be. I mean, it has to be. I, I, I again, I, I mentioned earlier, I, I haven't found anybody, no matter how core of a reconstruction, uh, reconstructionist they are, that can convince me otherwise. How can UPG not be up for discussion? How can we not talk about these things? Because I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to erase all of the, the historical stuff. I'm trying to bring to light things that were happening at the time that were likely just someone or someone's, like multiple people's UPG that, that just somehow happened to, to, to make it into the record books, you know, they, 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 they made it. And, and what, how much of what we're doing right now is going to become the same thing in however many years down the road. Um, there's there's a lot to all of this, and guys, and I and I've been rambling now myself for over an hour, and I didn't realize that it was going to to go this deep or go this far. So there may be a part two to this. Um, if you guys want to hear more and you guys want to talk more about this, you know, I think that it would be best to just break it off right now. Um, but let me know in the comments, right? Because again, there, there so much of what I do is is circulated around what you guys share and what you guys talk about whether you know it or not your thoughts and your comments mean a lot to me and and it is the fodder it is it is the fire it is it is the fuel i don't mean fodder in like a disrespectful way but it, it is the fuel for a lot of these episodes um so part two you decide let me know down in the comments what you thought of this podcast and if you would like to hear the rest of it all because there is a little bit more content that I could go through about all this. I appreciate all of you listening and watching today. As always, if you liked it, give the video, give the podcast a heart, thumbs up, upvote it, do whatever it is that the various platforms that this is on uh, suggest for you to do. Share it around. You know, definitely appreciate it. Until we talk again, may the gods continue to notice you, and may your ancestors smile upon you. Thank you. Thank you.